everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. And every weekend, we're here, we're doing life together, and we are really glad you've joined us. Happy weekend, Dr. Linda. And you know that's something we say every weekend on here is happy we, weekend. We are happy. It's the weekend because okay. <laughs> we don't work on the weekend. Here's so what we like do. That. Let's get some Dr. Linda shirts that say... <laughs> Happy, Happy weekend. weekend. <laughs> I love it. That's good. All right. We'll have to do that. That's right. Well, I do have this question. What is going on when your mind races, your palms get sweaty, and the, 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 the words just won't come out if they come out at all? So are you describing a 13-year-old boy who's in love? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, right. yeah, and and a thirteen year old boy does feel a little anxious about. Um, he does. That's right. Having to talk to a girl sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Well, what we're talking about really, though, is something that affects fifteen million Americans, both men and women. Mm-hmm. It's really common, and it has emotional symptoms like you're talking about this sort of excessive worrying the panic feelings and it isn't necessarily related to being in love it's really more (laughs) related to something that causes those physical symptoms like a rapid heartbeat and nausea and imagine if those times persist and start to interfere with everything imagine having paralyzing self-doubt at a party or feeling petrified to speak up during a meeting and maybe you don't want to imagine because it's actually pretty scary. <laughs> it is, because what you're describing is social anxiety disorder, mm. or what used to be called social phobia. And this is simply the fear of being embarrassed and judged in social situations. And when you're talking to other people, sometimes you have these extreme physical symptoms that we just mentioned. So social anxiety is really the fear of being judged by other people, being evaluated negatively by others. And it leads a person to feel very inadequate, inferior, self-conscious, embarrassed, humiliated, Mm. and sometimes it leads to depression in people. Well, and it's more than just feeling shy, isn't it? I mean, we, we all experience this at times when we feel awkward or don't want to perform or talk to someone. So do you watch The Voice? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I love I love that show. So I was watching it and I noticed that there was a 13 year old girl. Now think about what you were like at 13. Hmm. I don't know that I could walk onto a stage in front of millions of people and big, huge pop artists and stars and just go up there and sing. So she got up there and she sang her song and she just knocked it out of the part. And when Jennifer Hudson, or I guess we call her J-Hud, when she got up and she and she got up and she offered to sing with this girl because the very first song that the girl had ever sung was a Jennifer Hudson song. Mm. And Chris, she had nerves of steel. I kept thinking at 13 and I was somebody, I don't have social anxiety Mm -hmm. and I love being on the stage and I did a lot of performing in my day, but I can't imagine at 13 having that kind of confidence with no nerves. I mean, she had zero nerves and Mm. she was the opposite of somebody with social anxiety. She had nerves of steel and she just got up there and did it. It was amazing. What causes such a huge difference and other people, especially like you said, at age 13, would be completely terrified to get on stage, much less perform with a major star just at the drop of a hat. Yeah, like yeah, it is very different. So there's there's not really one thing that causes social anxiety disorder, but it usually does come on around the age of 13. So that's right. kind of interesting when we, we're talking about a 13-year-old. Yeah. So genetics have something to do with it. 
If you have a family member with some kind of social phobia, you're more at risk. So when anxiety runs in families, that Mm. puts you a little bit more predisposed. Again, it doesn't mean if you have a predisposition to something that you're going to get it. It just means your risk goes up. It can also be related to a part of the brain that has to do with controlling fear. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a part of your brain that when you get that fear response, some people have a more active part of that than other people do. And it also can be linked to some trauma in your life. So if you've been abused or you've been bullied or you've been teased. Shy kids, though, it's funny you mentioned shy kids because shy kids do tend to sometimes have a little bit more of a history of social anxiety just because they don't have that confidence of going out. And sometimes they have very controlling parents. So when their Mm. parents are overbearing, uh, they get more inadequate when they're with other people. And if you develop a health condition that draws attention to your appearance or to your voice, in some people that triggers social anxiety. So lots of ways into that. I know social anxiety is considered a mental health disorder when it causes a person distress and interferes with their daily life. What should we look for when deciding if this is a problem? So I like what you just said because the two things you mentioned, distressing to the person, interfering with your daily life. Those are two things we always look for to determine if something is really a problem in a person's life. But here's the criteria. So if you have a persistent, intense fear or anxiety about something specific that is social, and you believe that you're going to be judged or humiliated or embarrassed, Mm. that's number one. If you avoid anxiety-producing situations, social ones especially, and you just feel like all you're doing is enduring them, you know, just getting through it with a lot of sense of dread and anxiety. If your anxiety is really out of proportion to what other people are feeling. For instance, whenever I had to do my piano recital, Hmm. I had a lot of anxiety going up there, but it was no different than the rest of the people that were performing in the recital. I mean, I don't know very many people who didn't have a little anxiety over Mm -hmm. that. But if it's so excessive, let's say in that case, that you couldn't even get up there and you just completely went blank and you could not do it, then that would be what we would call excessive. And then if it interferes, like you've already said, and if you can't figure out any other reason for this intense fear or anxiety, sometimes, Chris, with a medical condition, anxiety can be a byproduct And sometimes when people are on drugs or substances, they can raise their anxiety a lot, too. I know some people who would honestly rather die than get up in front of a crowd of people and and speak. So it's really tough, isn't it, for some people? There is a real big difference. So let's go over a few of those situations where we might see somebody with social anxiety have problems. So one that comes to my mind that people don't always think about, I never get anxious about this, but people with social anxiety do, being introduced to someone you don't know. Hmm. That creates a lot of anxiety for some people because then what's the expectation? i got to say something. True. What do I say? Yeah. I don't know what to say. I'm going to be humiliated. Of course, there's being teased or criticized. Yeah, that can't help, right? right. Or being the center of attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, being watched. Yeah, so think about piano recitals, giving right. a speech, all those things where people are watching you and maybe critiquing you. Mm-hmm. Most people in authority. So when you're around somebody who's really important, you really don't want to blow it. Right. You know, I had an opportunity to to be with Donald Trump once. You did? Yeah. And? I was like, hey. You didn't have social anxiety around that? How are you? How are you doing? (laughs) I had that with a very important person in the psych world, and I just completely lost it and didn't say anything. I said something just really stupid, (laughs) and it was a blown opportunity, but I was feeling very anxious. So anything that has social encounters around Mm -hmm. strangers, that's a big one. I think an obvious one would be speaking in public. Yeah, or or going around a room. You know, a lot of people don't like to go to meeting events or parties mm-hmm. because they have to go around a room they have to say something and they have to have some kind of you know social 
contribution to yeah. what's going on. Interpersonal relationships is one, whether friendship or romantic. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't date because they're so anxious about that. Mm-hmm. So things like making eye contact with another person, eating in a public restaurant, that scares a lot of people. Right. Public what restroom. about using the uh, restroom in public? I know. I actually worked with a patient where that oh. was the case, where she just could not go to the bathroom. She was so anxious about other people hearing her or you know what people would think of her in there. And then there's the obvious ones like going to school or mm-hmm. starting conversations like we've been talking about. Well, those are a lot of uh, situations in life that most of us have to face or do, obviously. Are there different reasons people have for dreading those things we just listed? Because I know they are afraid, but what is the root of their fear? So that's really great. It's being judged in those situations, being embarrassed, being humiliated. And that comes out physically with the blushing, the sweating, the shaking. Mm -hmm. Accidentally offending someone is one of the fears and then being the center of attention. Mm. Well, we're just getting started. When it comes to talking about social anxiety, maybe you know someone who struggles with this. Let them know to tune in now or they can listen on MyFaithRadio.com anytime to the archives show stay with us as we take a short break more on social anxiety in a moment conflict is a part of every healthy relationship how you deal with conflict is what will either grow or destroy relationships do you avoid maybe you become highly emotional and then regret what you said or did getting control of our emotions is not always easy but it is possible Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel, and I wrote the book, We Need to Talk, in order to help all of us deal better with conflict. We Need to Talk, available at bookstores and online where books are sold. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. And don't forget, you can follow Dr. Linda on Twitter at Dr. Linda Mental and Facebook, Dr. Linda Mental author and speaker, and on Instagram. Speaking of social anxiety, you blog on this topic, Dr. Linda, on other anxiety issues and more. And your blogs are very helpful and interesting. And the easiest way to see them is to follow you on social media. But I've got you right here with me, so I've got a question for you. Okay. Why is it sometimes you can just be with people you know, acquaintances, run into them in the hallway and there's just this awkward exchange of hey how you doing and you just don't know what to say so you're talking more about at a work environment anywhere yes anywhere i think at work especially because you still well you may know people you Mm -hmm. still want to impress them and you still want to put a good face forward in there Mm -hmm. so there is a little bit of that social anxiety to say the right thing or to connect in the right way with people so i think there are moments of that that people have so that's the issue. See, we all can kind of connect with this, yeah. but for some people, this is just so overwhelming and intense that it, it really is interfering with their lives. It happened this week. Hey, it did? Jo- hey, Joe, how are you doing? And then in my mind, I'm like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> but you have moments of that rather than right. a pervasive pattern of this happening all the time. That's the difference. Right. So that's a good difference. I didn't start sweating. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, Dr. Linda, people may be surprised to learn that celebrities struggle with this, with social anxiety, at least as reported on the Internet, this list is going to surprise you. I know. I was I, I was looking this up. Now, again, we're, we're going by what the Internet says, right? But I, I think yeah. these are accurate. Mm-hmm. So the one that really surprised me was Jennifer Lawrence, you know, the uh-huh. Hunger Games star. Right. 
She's on a lot of movies, mm-hmm. and she I think she's an awesome actress, but she's been struggling with social anxiety ever since she was a child. She says, my nickname was Nitro, as in mm. nitroglycerin. <laughs> <laughs> I was hyperactive, curious about everything. When my mother told me about my childhood, she always told me that there was like a light in me, like a spark in me mm. that inspired her constantly. So that's a cool thing. She really right. saw this, this spark of a great actress, I think, in her child. But when she entered school, she says the light went out. And we never really knew what it was. It was a kind of social anxiety. She had friends, but somehow she just got into this feeling of social anxiety. You know, Barbara Streisand's social anxiety, uh, specifically in the form of stage fright, of all things, kept her from performing live for almost three decades after she forgot the lyrics to a song uh, in 1967. She says, I couldn't come out of it. Wow. And so 1967, she forgot the lyrics. So that yeah. experience really traumatized her. I know I saw that. And I thought, why don't we see more live performances from her? Mm. I mean, she probably has, Chris, don't you think, one of the most phenomenal voices of our day? Oh, by far, yes. That really is interesting. There's an actress, a kind of a newer actress on the scene named Olivia Munn. I don't know if people know her. She was on Six, that, one of those mm. Navy SEAL team shows. She said, if I have to walk into somebody's birthday party, I'd have a bad anxiety attack amazing. A lot of these actresses, we don't know this, and mm-hmm. singers behind the scene. Well, Britney Spears is one. That surprises yeah. me, doesn't it? Oh, it does. She opened up about her anxiety surrounding uh, social situations in the past. She said that it can be crippling for her. Wow. She's always been kind of shy since she was a little girl. I, I just so surprising. And then the one that really surprised me was Adele. And wow. even though Adele, I think she's a killer performer. She right. just has a phenomenal voice. And But Again, think about it. Do you see her at live events and festivals? She says she doesn't do it because she has anxiety attacks on stage when she's surrounded by a mass of people. So Mm. listen to this. I found this quote from Rolling Stone from her in 2011. She said, I'm scared of audiences. One show in Amsterdam, I was so nervous, I escaped out the fire exit. I've thrown up a couple of times. Once in Brussels, I projectile vomited on someone. I just got to bear it. But I don't like touring. I have anxiety attacks a lot. My nerves don't really settle until I'm off stage. And she's just really kind of gripped by this. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So how do you treat this? I mean, obviously, people can overcome it because all these people get up and perform. But it's not easy for them as uh, as we just learned. So it's a good point. It can be overcome or we would never see these people on the stage, right? Right. Although you have to be consistent with what you do and you have to be really persistent. There's a type of treatment that we've talked about before called cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. And it's a really good treatment for social anxiety. It's been very successful for people. We'll talk about it a little bit. Well, explain what that type of therapy is and how it's used. It's used for anxiety, as I mentioned. Um, You can do it individually. You can do it in groups. Mm -hmm. So you can go to a group therapy and try to get better at this. What you do is you work on those terrifying thoughts, Chris, that come into your head that then create the anxiety. So you Mm -hmm. work to control those thoughts, to take away the fear, to calm yourself down. So a lot of times, you know, when I get up to perform, I have to take some deep breaths. Mm -hmm. So I calm down my emotions. That's part of cognitive behavioral therapy, regulating your emotions and then working on your thoughts so that you're not thinking those terrifying things and what could happen. So the therapy really addresses those thoughts that are coming into your head, how you're reacting to those thoughts, and you're literally working on changing your thoughts and beliefs so that your emotions quiet down and that you can get up there and actually do what you need to do. So part of the treatment is to continue to do the things 
that you're afraid of. Yeah, it's called an exposure base to the treatment, which all that simply means is that you're exposing yourself to the fear rather than running away from the fear. And this is really important with anxiety because the more you avoid things, Mm. the more your anxiety just keeps growing. But if you can face your fear, and I like to tell people it's like Captain Kirk on Star Trek. You know, he boldly goes where no man goes before. <laughs> you know, Scotty is panicking right. all over the place. Mr. Spock is completely detached from any emotional state, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, everybody's panicking and, and Captain Kirk is like, okay, we're going to boldly go where we haven't gone before. So he's moving through his anxiety and that's what we need to do. We need to learn to be Captain Kirk. <laughs> and then you've got Chewbacca. Wait, that's Star, oh, that's that's Star Wars. You're yeah, mixing your <laughs> sci-fi shows. But really the whole thing is practicing putting yourself in that position and learning to control your thoughts and your emotions. Well, Dr. Linda, walk us through this step by step. Okay, so first understand what the problem is and know that it can be overcome, right? So we've got to have an expectation that we're going to be able to get through this. Then learn about that treatment, practice it over and over, that cognitive behavioral treatment. Practice, practice, practice. You've got to change your brain. So Hmm. practicing is really important. A lot of times people will say, I tried it once, it didn't work. And I'll say that's because you got to train yourself to do it differently. Right. And then put yourself in positions where you can slowly work on those things. So I wouldn't say, you know, book yourself into a major speaking event, <laughs> but you might want to go before a group of little kids. And then you might right. want to try your teen group in church. And then you might want to try going and doing something in your church. I would rather speak to a group of thousands of people than a group of high school kids. Yeah, that can be pretty <laughs> brutal, right? But the idea is to really take it slow Step by step until you get more confidence with each step until you can actually do it. What about medications? Are those used to uh, treat social anxiety? There, there are some medications that are used for this, and I'm going to mention them. But, Chris, I'm not always a fan of trying medications first, mm-hmm. especially when we know that cognitive behavioral therapy is really effective. Right. Now, sometimes if you're really, you know, you're really impaired by this because it's just so overwhelming to you, sometimes a psychiatrist or a family practice doc will start you on some antidepressants because we know that antidepressants also work on anxiety. Mm. So sometimes they'll pair it with that. I'm not a real fan of anti-anxiety medications simply because they can be habit-forming and addictive, and they're very sedating, and we have memory problems when we're on those drugs, so I'm not a real fan of that. And some people are prescribed beta blockers that help reduce the adrenaline that prompts that real anxious response in the body. So those are some of them, but we always encourage people to try the cognitive behavioral treatment first and then maybe use that if you really need to have some kind of adjunct to that. Mm. Well, let's talk more about overcoming social anxiety, including how faith plays a role. Stay with us on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. The other day I was cut off the road by a driver. Everything in me wanted to yell, hey, watch out. But I restrained myself knowing that yelling at the driver would not do so much good. And it wasn't the best way to deal with my anger. Anger easily rises up in most of us. Anger, while a natural emotion, needs to be dealt with in the right way. The Bible tells us, be angry, but do not sin. So what is the biblical way to handle anger? Well, this is a question I answer in my short and easy book to read, Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness. That small book has sold over 130,000 copies because of how practical and helpful it is to everyday living. So if you want to be angry, but not sin, practice what scripture teaches Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness is available on my website, 
drlindamental.com, and online where books are sold. You're listening to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and today our conversation is about social anxiety. And we want to encourage anyone who is listening and who struggles with this to get help. And if you're just joining us, you can listen to the podcast on MyFaithRadio.com anytime. And Dr. Linda, we've got to talk about how our spiritual lives can help with anxiety. You wrote a book called Getting Unstuck years ago that helps people with anxiety. So give us some practical ways to put this in practice. Okay, so number one is to practice in small steps. We kind of ended with that in the last segment. But we want to make sure that when you feel afraid, you identify what those situations are. So you're kind of looking at, okay, when does this happen? What am I going to do about that? And then gradually practice these activities until you feel less and less anxious. So again, there's no way to avoid it to get better. You really have to make yourself do it. So begin with small steps by setting a daily or a weekly goal in situations that aren't overwhelming. So you get some confidence. So again, we talked about going in front of a small group first, practicing there. The more you practice, the less anxious you're going to feel. And then, you know, think about practice situations. So if you have problems with eating in public, Maybe go to a restaurant and eat with a relative or a friend who you feel really comfortable with. I'll go. Yeah, there you go. An invitation. (laughs) You probably have to pay for Chris's meal, though, I'm going to guess. (laughs) Cheaper than therapy. That's true. That's That's right. right. Rent Chris for social anxiety because he'll go with you. But it would, it's the idea is to go with someone that can encourage you along that path. And then make eye contact. So that could be a first goal. Mm -hmm. So if you practice looking at the person and you're feeling anxious, that might be your first step. Is just to take a deep breath and try to do that. And you are looking right at me. I am looking right at you right now. They can't (laughs) see it. And then maybe practice by giving someone a compliment. When you were meeting your boss or whoever that was, one of those coworkers, and you Mm -hmm. said, hey, Joe, you know, one of the things you could always have ready would be maybe say something nice to him. Right. Could you have thought of anything at the moment? Uh Nice shorts, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least it's something, right? Right. Um, If you're in a public place and you're really feeling anxious, maybe go get a retail clerk and Mm -hmm. ask them to help you and, you know, maybe find something so you can get kind of refocused. In some ways, you're distracting a little bit by getting someone else involved in there. Maybe get directions from a stranger if you're feeling overwhelmed with where you're at and you're you're feeling lost. Have you ever done that? Mm, Like you're so anxious, you don't even know where you're going. Show an interest in other people. So try to get interested in their their story or who they are and just ask them questions. I find when you're interviewing and talking to people and you don't know what to do, just ask them about themselves. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you ever do that? Uh, Yeah. It's a great uh, way to fill the silence. It is. Maybe you could call a friend again and whatever it is you're feeling anxious about, get them to go with you and sort of walk you along. And a friend can say, hey, just stop a minute. Take a deep breath. Right. Well, can a person prepare for social situations? I think it's challenging because you don't always know what's gonna, when it's going to come up. So that's one of the things you can all of a sudden be thrown into a social situation. You don't know it. Right. So it's hard to prepare for that. But if you sort of know what it is that triggers you, then you can start thinking ahead, what would I do? So if I was working with you, let's say you really had a problem when you saw somebody in the hallway. Mm-hmm. We could prepare, we could role play, and have you have two or three phrases that you could practice using. That'd be a good way to do it. Well, they say that about dating. Rehearse a a few uh, conversation pieces. Well, so for people who are anxious about dating, that would be a good start. Well, again, give us some specific strategies that can help us begin to face situations 
that make us nervous. Okay, so let's take preparing for conversations, because mm-hmm. that's one we've been talking a lot about, right? Right. What if you read through the newspaper? I don't know, does anybody read the newspaper anymore? I don't think Maybe so. Maybe read your news online, right? <laughs> Go to Flipboard or whatever your, your tool is to right. do that. But sometimes if you just get up on the day's events, mm. you have a topic of conversation. So kind of keeping up on the news is a really good idea. And then maybe focus more on the things that are good qualities about you and rehearse those in your mind so that if you're walking up to somebody, you can say, okay, I'm friendly. Mm -hmm. I can smile. When they get to know me, I'm really pretty good person. I have integrity. Start thinking about that. And then one thing we, we kind of mentioned with the deep breathing, if you practice relaxation exercises, mm. we should do a show on relaxation exercises. Well, we have to do it lying on the floor. I know. We'd, a, <laughs> and we, it's mat. kind of visual, but we could, we could talk about. So there's a whole bunch of these guided imagery, mm-hmm. progressive muscle relaxation, but deep breathing is a really good one because when you take deep breaths, it calms your body down. And then if you focus on something that's peaceful, that helps you too. Those are all stress management techniques. Mm-hmm. So if you set a realistic goal, so if you say, okay, today I'm just going to go up to the person and make eye contact rather than I'm going to go up to the person and have a full conversation with them. Well, if you go up and stare at them, <laughs> yeah, that would you should be probably say something. <laughs> Although you can have one phrase and then you can go, I got to go and turn right. around. You could do that mm-hmm. and, and have an excuse ready. You know, look at what are those embarrassing situations and try to f- think about What's the worst thing that could really happen to me? We've all had situations where we've said things that we go, we walk away from. We go, wow, <laughs> I, that was I really said the wrong thing, or that yep. was a silly thing I said. But you know what? Nobody dies. Nobody you know hates you after that. So right. again, getting control of those thoughts. Well, Doctor Linda, as we approach the end of the show, let's talk a little about how faith can play a role. Uh, when we deal with anxiety of any kind. Certainly, we can ask God for his help. So this may seem obvious, Chris, but I'm constantly amazed, especially in my own life, how I sometimes forget to surrender everything to God mm, and to right. bring my fears and my anxieties to him. And a lot of us know the the verse in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, but it's worth repeating. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes every thought, every anxious thought, Mm. the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And what about trying to go to church? We don't want to uh, avoid church fellowship because that can add so much to our lives and strengthen us when we need help. Sunday church services can be tough environments for people who struggle with social anxiety Mm. because it's about a crowd of people. And there's lots of small talk. Everyone in their Sunday, you know, best attire, and it feels a little intimidating, but because of the benefits you just mentioned, we really do want to try to go and do the best we can, even if we're very quiet in that setting. We had somebody in our Sunday school class who really struggled with this, and she just mm. showed up, and we gave her big kudos for showing up. Yeah. Here's a scripture in Hebrews that said, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, and not giving up on meeting together. Wow. As some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Well, maybe the best thing we can do is this. Don't think this is hopeless. The idea that this is just how I am and I can't change is not how the gospel works. That's right. We should be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul who wrote about God. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Mm. Christ's power may rest on me. So let his grace be sufficient for you. Get the help you need so you can accomplish all that God has for your life. 
Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mintel, our engineer, Chris Weigel, who is also my co-host and makes this show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're here, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.